He was the 1991 state champion in Nintendo. Ready, down, hut, hut, hut. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. From the left hash, Falcons trailing by one. Who from 63 yards out, it was blocked. And the Saints win the season opener in dramatic, come-from-behind fashion. Trailed by 16 points in the fourth quarter. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Kenny Albert, Fox Sports on the call. Uh, it's been not even 48 hours, but I I don't know. A lot of us still processing that game. It was wild how it all unfolded. And friend of the program, friend of mine, beat writer for the New Orleans Saints, as promised, joining us now, Mr. Luke Johnson. Good morning, Luke. How's how's life, man? How was it to uh, to watch that game in Atlanta from the press box on Sunday? got to tell you man you might have just triggered a little ptsd thinking about like what i was thinking in the moment when Peyton turner blocked that kick i'm like how the hell am i gonna get this game story turned in yeah that's Um, that's the thing for you guys like you people will see writers every now and then joke when when it's like a game's going one way and then it starts to change like well let me let me redo this I, i feel like there's no way you can even start that story until the game is just completely done yeah, I mean, we have to have something turn in right when the game's over. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, I think my my initial game story must have just looked like complete chaos at the top of it. It's just like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Um, yeah, uh, just an absolutely crazy game, man. Um, what a better what better way to just like ring in like the start of football season than what is hopefully the, the wildest, uh, the wildest ending, um, that we have to experience all season. That, I, yeah. that was crazy. That I was mean, absolutely not knock on wood, but yeah, it was, it was insane. I was, um, you know, I'm, I'm helping coach a little bit, my daughter and her soccer team, and they've got a few games left. And so it's, it's during the game. So I, you know, I get there and I kind of avoid everyone. You know, I'm trying to do the old DVR thing, right? Because if I'm going to watch a game, I'd rather not know. And there's just one guy, you know, I know him, and I'm like, don't, you know, don't tell him anything. Like, don't do it. You know, don't do it. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm recording too. And at one point, he's like, oh, Scott, I just looked at the score. And I'm like, stop. Like, I don't even want to see your face. I don't want to see your reaction. Like, nothing. But I got a sense that, like, they were playing bad at halftime. I finally got home. I'm kind of going through the plays that I'm experiencing everything in delay, but like, I didn't even have time Luke to kind of breathe between like commercial breaks and stuff. It all just was kind of coming at me so fast. And by the time we got to any of it, my son, he didn't know what was happening. He was really worried about me. He's like, dad, like what's like, why, why are you freaking out? I was just like, I don't, I, there were so many moments, Luke, where I'm like, the Saints just lost the game again. Saints just lost the game. Oh, they just lost it again. And then there were so many moments where Atlanta's like, no, you didn't. Here you go. No, no, here you go. Oh, here's another one. Here's another chance. I, I'm, I'm still processing it a few days later. Now, you, as somebody that covers this team, you went back, you rewatched it. And during a rewatch, I imagine you always see things that you either forgot about or didn't notice before. For a game like this, there's just such 
dramatic swings one way or the other, there's probably a number of notable things that, that you noticed that I'm sure a lot of us has forgotten about. So what stood out to you during the rewatch? Well, I, I mean, the main thing, um, I, you know, I, I really tried to pay close attention to that fourth quarter. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I didn't see, like, a lot of the, like, a lot of the, like, penalties and stuff, um, of which there were many in that, that last period. Uh, but, I mean, like, like Marshawn Ladmore's two penalties in the final two minutes were just, like, un- unbelievable, um, you know. One converts a third down with, like, basically two minutes to go, and I'm like, I right, they should have lost the game there. Um, you know, one gives them the chance at having the, the young way coup game-winning field goal, with, you know, with which, I mean, they would have basically lost the game there. You know, I, I mean, it was – like those were really bad, <laughs> um, and you know I, I don't think the holding penalty was like really like that. Uh, like it wasn't an egregious penalty I, I in the way you, that. Yeah. The, but you know, I, still, I, I mean, in that situation, you know, you got to be better than that. And yeah, I, I think he's obviously a great player. I think he, he played a great game, generally speaking. But uh, just crazy bad penalties there. Um, you know, I, I can't believe the Falcons <laughs> on third and one with the game on the line are like trying to do this, you know, cutesy stuff with Mariota and he fumbles a snap. Um, I, I mean, Cordero Patterson, I don't think, I don't think had one negative yardage play that entire game. And it's just like, what, what are you thinking right there? Um, you know, I didn't see this, but Jeff Duncan was telling me about this yesterday when we were talking about it. Um, but yeah, that, that last punt uh before the saints went on the the you know go ahead drive um i guess you know Taysom hill would have almost definitely blocked that kick oh, yeah. if it wasn't if, if he wasn't held um you know i just there, there's so many things i oh here's here's one that i could not believe i i saw on the rewatch i didn't catch it live when Jameis winston spiked the ball the last time the clock was running there's 30 seconds left on the play clock, play clock, 20 seconds left, 23 seconds left on the game clock when he spiked it on third down. And I am watching him like, wait a second. If they're spiking it for what they are assuming to be the game-winning field goal, why are they leaving why are they right? The a listener pointed that out to me. I can't believe it. It went over my head too. He's like, they just muff both spikes. I'm like, well, the second one, you know, you can't really go for it there because he's like, no, why didn't you just wait? I'm like, oh yeah, duh. Why didn't you just wait and spike it with three seconds left? I mean, yeah, it, or, but, you know, Atlanta had all three timeouts. Make them use one of their timeouts there. Right, right, right. Or or force them, force got, their yeah. hand. Right. And then you got a third down, and you can, and then you can go run another play. You know, I, I just, uh, like, there were so many little things in that in that game where it's just like, you know, you you tell yourself when, when a team makes a 16-point comeback in the fourth quarter that, like, everything has to go right for that team. And there were so many things that went wrong for the Saints. But it was just, like, one or two things that really went right for them. Um, you know, and, and, you know, obviously, like, Jameis Winston getting – like, like getting cooking there in the fourth quarter was, was a huge part of that. Um, you know, that was a thing going right. But, like, I mean, they, they had so many different ways they could have lost that game. There, <laughs> there were so many moments. They still pulled it off. 
the it's fact crazy. that it was Atlanta, it just makes it it'll be forever memorable. It's it's hilarious that it happened to the Falcons. I mean, you have Bro Martin Chalmette selling the fail cakes like a day after. Kudos to them for 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 genius marketing, knowing their audience. Um, but it, it, it you, I think you just I think you summed it up best, Luke. When you blow or when you come from behind, you never you've never come from behind by sixteen points in the fourth quarter ever in your entire team history. And when you do it and you win, you would imagine, man, you did everything right, the other team did everything wrong. But to your point, the Saints did a lot wrong and still got out of there with a win. And I think with the the whole idea of I think it's pretty evident and in talking to people and former players they agree, you know, the lack of a preseason, I don't enjoy the preseason, but not having that fourth game not having as many padded practices, um, some teams just resting everyone. It's it's pretty evident in week one, but I think what's also evident is, man, if the players are rusty, what are we going to say about the coaches? Because yeah. they are they, – you, you, look, I get it. It's easy to, to sit at home or in a press box when it comes to something like time management because it is something that is – the one aspect of the game that's just sort of numbers and math and elementary. But when there's a hundred other things happening at once, it's like, okay, you say it's an easy math problem. Let me, you know, let me put a live gator in the room with you and blow a foghorn in your, like try to have as many distractions as possible. Like I get it. And yet you're paid millions of dollars. Like, I mean, just watching that Monday night game last night, I couldn't believe what Nathaniel Hackett was doing on some of those play calls and, in in the end of game sequence, so if the players are rusty, I, I, you're you're better with words than me, Luke. But there's got to be a word to describe what the coaches were like in week one, and it wasn't. It's it's worse than rust. Yeah, you know, it, and you know one of the interesting things I, I heard in the broadcast, I, I don't think I was aware of, is it sounds like you know with, with Darren Rizzi, their special teams coordinator, is their assistant head coach, um, and it sounds like he and. Dennis Allen are kind of working together on uh, their clock management sort of stuff. Um, you know, like that's part of Rizzi's responsibility too. Uh, so hey, we, we got to ask Dennis about that, and, and you because know, he was he was saying that uh, you know this this whole thing was was kind of a failure on, on a, a coaching wide level. You know, whether it was um, communicating the plays to the quarterback or. Uh, you know, just managing the timeouts and, and the situation. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, like, what the actual roles are here and uh, and, and kind of where those those little fissures started. Because um, it's, you know, obviously, like, they won the game and it's all good. Uh, and it didn't end up mattering. But, you know, that, that is something that could cost them games uh, down the stretch if, if they don't get that stuff figured out. And I think they will. I, I think they've got a pretty smart staff over there. Um, but you know, just kind of kind of curious as to as to what, how that that whole operation works. When it comes to, and I'm going to get back to the game in a moment. When it comes to the, the petty side of everything, you know, Demario Davis having the the Falcons flag in post game, and a lot of the Saints players that have been there for a while, understanding the rivalry and what it you know what it means to a fan base, and really embracing it in such a big way. You know, I know you're up in a press box, but from a, you know, not so much from a fan standpoint, but from a player standpoint, how much, I guess, extra pepper was there in post game or in, in just maybe just the, the week as a whole because of who the opponent was for the Saints? Well, see, like, and the thing is, is during the week leading up, everybody downplays it, right? 
and they're like, yeah, you know, Falcons this, whatever, but, you know, it's just another team. Yeah, we've got to go and win. Can't treat any any one game more than, you know, there's more than the next, blah, 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 blah. And then they go out there, and Demario Davis is, like, carrying a battle trophy with him off the field. And, you know, they're, you can hear him, like, whenever they're they're playing this uh you know, this, this like inside the locker room videos or like you know, watching Jarvis Landry coming off the field. Like they're talking about like, you know, how much more it means to beat the Falcons. It's like, I'm going to play this stuff to you guys. Next time you tell me it's just another game. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like clearly, it, clearly like there is like, if, if not animosity, then just, um, you know, I, I'm struggling to think of the, the word, but like that, that one, that one thing that means more than another thing, like it's this, personal. this game, it's personal. yeah, 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 absolutely. And you know, I, I can't think of, I can't think of another rivalry in the NFL that is that is just more, more petty and more personal. You know, like I, I grew up in Wisconsin, and yeah, I was like a Packers fan growing up, and uh, like I remember just this deep feeling of uh, of satisfaction. When like after watching the Packers beat the Vikings one week, like Aaron Rodgers is like in his press conference sipping a purple crush. I'm like, that was great, right? That was awesome. But I don't think that rivalry is anything close to like the the pettiness levels of this one. Like the Saints aren't even mentioned as a team on the stadium scoreboard. Yeah, it's great. They're, they're I mean, it's great. <laughs> The, the Superdome renovations, you know, with little twenty-eight to three jabs. I mean, it, it twenty-eight to three means more to Saints than Patriots, and and people that don't like the Saints make fun of that. But it's like, no, you you can, but you just don't understand the rivalry. Like that's the Falcons mocking the Saints for the refs blowing a call that that essentially kept them out of a Super Bowl. It's like, well, you had nothing to do with that, Atlanta. They're like, we don't care. Like their pain is is our. PEDs, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's and 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 the fact that the players embrace it um, and and really, I guess, feel it. They, like you said, they can downplay it, but it's it's undeniable, and it it matters, man. It it makes it more fun. It made yesterday, excuse me, Sunday, that much more fun and that much more painful, obviously, for the Falcons and all time. I mean, the Saints they won the first game ever in the series back in like 1967. And then the Falcons won 10 in a row. And they've always had the all-time edge. But, man, since 2006, the Saints just keep climbing and climbing and climbing. And now, you know, they've, they're, I think Atlanta's 54 and 53 all-time against the Saints. It's tied in the regular season, but Atlanta has, has a playoff win. I was there. I was young. It was not fun for the Saints. But the fact that they can now tie that up. And maybe the players, you know, and, and, and to a degree, us as well, Luke, it's like we don't remember, you know, all the stuff from the early 70s, like maybe some of the older fans go. But for any, like, longtime rivalry, the history plays as well. And 54 and 53 all time, like, that that means something. I know Sean Payton was petty on Sunday and said, you know, that rivalry ended in 06, but that's, that's him just throwing gasoline on the rivalry. It just, you know, I know the SEC slogan is it just means more. Every year when the Saints and Falcons play, it just means more, period. Even though it's the season opener and there are all these other things, the fact that it's Atlanta just gives it a different, a different level of, as you said, petty, and I think a different level of excitement, almost more nerves whenever you're about to lose the game because it's like, if we blow this game, but to that team, 
Like that, Atlanta blew a big lead to Dallas recently, and I guarantee you it didn't hurt as bad as, as it hurt on, on, on Sunday for them because of who they blew the lead to. And that is 100% why I, uh, I was not trusting the five-and-a-half-point spread in that game. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like, ah, oh, Saints are going to kill him. Like, you know, we did our, our own um, you know, predictions in-house at the newspaper uh, for, for our game day preview section. And uh, I think all my colleagues had him winning by, like, two touchdowns. So, like, no chance, man. Like, I think they're they're – Two touchdowns better than Atlanta, but there's no way it actually plays out like that. I was vindicated. I felt I felt uh, correct at the end, even though it took it took a long time for the Saints to actually get ahead. Luke Johnson, our guest at by Luke Johnson on Twitter. So, from a game standpoint, Luke, it's Week One. We win. You, you want to be guarded against overreaction? I get it. Um, give me, I guess, the biggest concern, and the and then follow it up with maybe the biggest positive for you from a Saints standpoint after one week of football. Um, I think my biggest concern is is the offensive line at this point. And, and you know, Dennis Allen like kind of clarified yesterday that you know, the protection issues they had were not all on the offensive line. Um, you know, some of it was you know some of it was just they were getting beat by really good players. Like Brady Jarrett is a really really good player, um, and uh, you know I think he had two sacks. One of them he beat. Uh, Caesar Ruiz and another one um, he split a, a double team of Anders Pete and James Hurst and, and you know, that's that's going to happen sometimes um, you know but I, I do think I do think that they had too many uh, for me to feel comfortable with it and, it and I guess it wasn't even just the offensive line but like you know there are like James Winston and, and Eric McCoy are, are responsible for setting these protection schemes and you know, there was one play where the Falcons or the, the Saints had uh, six guys in protection. They had their five offensive linemen and Alvin Kamara. The Falcons sent four people on the rush, and the Saints only blocked three of them with their six people. <laughs> uh, and uh, Michael Walker, I think is his name, just had a, a completely free shot at Jameis Winston, and he brought him down with, within like a second of the snap. Um, I mean, I mean that stuff cannot happen, and that's stuff that, that can get cleaned up. But I, I mean, it was that's why they were losing the game for most of it. Um, you know, when when the protection was as bad as it was, you know, you could see it even when Jameis had a clear pocket, like he was rattled. You know, his throws were way off target. Um, you know, his throws to Michael, Th- like he he had probably three throws to Michael Thomas that were just nowhere near the mark and they kept saying michael thomas is slipping like he's got to change his cleats like well it's because the throws are like five yards behind him every time um so i I was really concerned with that i I was less concerned with the with the run defense um you know they gave up a lot of yards um they did not look good but I, i think that's more of that's more of a uh yeah the falcons probably caught him off guard with some things um and you know they had to play a, a way that's not that they don't usually play, and I think this, these are the kind of teams they're going to struggle against. Um, and it's just kind of unfortunate that they have like five games against those kind of teams this year. I, I think their their rushing numbers are probably going to go. They're, they're going to be worse this year than they have been because they're going to have to face Mariota twice. They got Lamar Jackson. They've got Jalen Hurts, who they've never been able to stop. And they've got Kyler Murray. Um, 
I think those are going to that's gonna, just going to stress those run defenses. Um, as far as positives, uh, I mean, you, you gotta you gotta start with the receiving core. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about those guys this off season and and what it was going to look like. And you know, I've got like friends texting me like halfway through the through the game, like, well, I guess I guess those guys aren't any good actually, and you know, they're all like burying the team and then you know here we go in the fourth quarter those guys are all great i mean jarvis landry was awesome uh, and he was awesome in like every phase of like it's a downfield threat as an underneath threat as a blocker i think he had like the key block on Taysom hill's uh touchdown run um he was great michael thomas after you know, some rusty moments with with finding that connection with Jameis was amazing in the fourth quarter and Chris Olave didn't get a lot of opportunities, but when they did throw the ball his way, like it, it basically every time ended well. Um, I, that's really, really encouraging. And, you know, I, I don't think they're going to have to wait until the fourth quarter to fire this thing up uh, the next time they're out there. Um, you know, and I just think they have an opportunity to be a really, really dynamic passing attack this year. And that, in turn, will open things up for Alvin Kamara. Like, I don't think he's going to be a guy who's averaging three and a half yards carry again this year. I think, you know, if they're able to get some rhythm in the passing game for four quarters or for at least more than one quarter, um, he's going to end up being really, really good this year. Not concerned about him at all after week one. You know, uh... As far as Taysom Hill goes, when you're when you're just kind of when your offense is totally out of sync, it's nice to have a shot in the arm. Uh, and I think when your offense is in sync and you give it a quick, different look by bringing them in the way they utilize them, I mean, I I I debated with some listeners this past summer, Luke, about his role and when when Dennis Allen stopped being coy and saying, "Oh, he's tied in one," and he said, "No, he's still going to take snaps like he has in the past and be in that role." And I said, "That's a great thing because in that role, he's he's tremendous. I mean, he's averaged over five yards a carry in his career. It's a good thing." And I, I look, it would frustrate some fans. Well, you know, you'd get into a flow and then you'd bring him in, and sometimes you'd lose a yard. Okay, so it didn't work every single time, but mathematically, you know, if you want to play the analytics, it. It was positive net yards the vast majority of the time, and without without his quick shot in the arm, you know they 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 would have had nothing going into the fourth quarter, and then you know all that receiving stuff would have just been sort of cosmetic yards instead of man that led to a crazy comfort behind victory. You know what, what do you make of of Taysom Hill in the offense and, and what his role is going to look like this year? Yeah, yeah, I was I was really excited to see him. Um, to see him get so many opportunities, you know, I, I thought I, I wasn't exactly sure, you know, if, if his role was going to be more like, um, I guess, 2019 Taysom Hill when he when he, he did a lot of that stuff um, before he was he was really ever given a chance to be the starting quarterback, or if it was going to be like. Um, yeah, more like kind of Deontay Hardy before uh, before he kind of got a chance to um, to play a lot more offense. You know, when they were kind of just using him like really like a gadget guy, uh-huh. like five six touches a game maybe, um, and usually like he'd, he'd get like eleven offensive snaps and touch the ball like eight times. You know, I wasn't sure if like if that was going to be the case or if it was really like hey, we're going to move him all over the field. He's going to touch the ball in a lot of different ways. Um, 
and I'm glad to see it was the latter. Um, because, you know, and, and look, this is another thing where it might be completely game plan dependent. You know, Dennis Allen said afterwards, like he got a lot of carries because he's had a lot of success against this team in the past. And it's true. He, he ever just like almost nine yards of carry in his career against Atlanta. Um, so you know, maybe we don't see as much of it in the future, but I, I do think the way they use them this week um, is just telling me that, that he's going to have like a significant role in the offense. And it's not just going to be, like, hey, hey, come in here um, when we need you to run the, the quarterback power or come in here when, when you know, we're going to line you up on, on a, you know, you're in, a, in a heavy set and have you sprint down the field and try to take a deep shot. You know, I, I, think, I think he's going to have, like, a, a real true role in the offense and play a bunch of snaps, and that's, I think, a good thing for the Saints. Because when he's in that, that type of do-everything role, he, he really does create a lot of problems for the defense. You know, we, we saw the problems the Saints had with a mobile quarterback, and, and even if you know that you have to account for him, uh, that's still you know that's that's still a numbers advantage. Uh, like we you know we everybody knows that the whole when you when you're defending a mobile quarterback, you're defending all eleven players. Um, but it's true, and that's why he's had so much success with it. Because I mean, he's a big, strong, fast football player who now has the numbers advantage on a side or at least a, like an equal numbers advantage. It's, it's very difficult to defend. Um, so I hope they do more of it. I think he's a really good football player. Luke Johnson, our guest, uh, Saints beat writer, NOLA.com. You can read his stuff there, uh, or you can pick up a copy of the New Orleans advocates last time speaking. And a lot of his stuff also ends up in the Acadian advocate as well, including at PC had, um, Sunday, before last, I believe it was on Sunday, your piece on Kai Harley. Um, you know, my mom's a big Saints fan, and she, like, texted me. She's like, you got to read this. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I do read Luke's stuff. I hadn't read it yet. Uh, but for anyone that missed it, uh, go go back and read it. It's worth the time. You know, a guy that was just kind of known as the uh, cap guru type guy in the shadows, Luke really brings him to life for a lot of us to see a little bit more about the guy, what he's done to get in that position. And uh, honestly, man, I I thought it was just a fantastic piece of writing. And one thing I took away from it was, you know, he's kind of been quiet and in the background before. Now he's coming out a little bit, and you did a good job of telling his story. Is that maybe him trying to, um, you know, I guess, uh, is that part of a process to eventually, you know, uh, get a GM job? Because ultimately I know that's, that's what his goal is, right? Yeah, well, let's say I don't think I'll, I'm going to say that it would it was it was a, a deliberate thing on Kai's part, um, but I know that the Saints are frustrated that he hasn't had an opportunity to interview yet. Um, I, you know, the Saints like having him around. Obviously, um, yeah, he's he's a brilliant guy. Um, it really doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, for for the way he's kept this team together. Um, you know, we we talk every year about the Saints being in cap hell, and and like Kai's just like whatever, <laughs> like we're not cap hell. I've got a way out of it. Um, and then every year they put a competitive team together. Like he's he's a really really important part of that. And somehow some way he has not gotten an interview for a job yet, uh, for a GM job, even though he does a lot more. And cap stuff as yeah. I discussed in the piece. 
Um, I think the Saints are frustrated with that. And using that knowledge that they want him to be <laughs> to be out there and to, and to have opportunities to to interview for GM jobs because I yeah frankly I think if he gets an opportunity um, you know somebody's going to see how intelligent he is and how much of a plan he has um, and I, I don't think I, I think that's all he needs is a foot in the door um, so knowing that I I actually asked him if I could speak with Kai. Um, and you know, Kai was kind of reluctant to do the interview because he doesn't really do interviews. Um, I think this is like the first one-on-one he's done. Um, but he did it, and he was great. And you know, I think his story is is so good. Um, and you know, I, I think he does a lot more than people are really aware of. Um, yeah, I'm sure people around the NFL know who Kai Harley is and know that he does more than the salary cap, but you know, maybe not. I, I mean, the guy really, like, you can't, there's, there's basically nothing of about him on the internet. Like right. he has a LinkedIn page. That's, that's like the only way he able to get his career highlights where, where he went and what he did. Um, you know, there's no, there's no big stories out there about him. Well, there is now, um, there is now, there is uh, now, but you, you know what I'm saying though? It's like, like he's he's been completely, completely in the in the in the in the uh, outside the public eye. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think I, I hope at least that um, yeah that starts to change because um, he's really, really um, a talented, smart, driven person um, who deserves an opportunity. It's if anyone didn't read it, uh, if you go to Luke's Twitter account at by Luke Johnson at by Luke Johnson, it's a pinned tweet, uh, or just you know Google in Kai Harley Luke Johnson Nola dot com. A lot of ways you can get it, but go read it. It's worth the read. You learn a lot about the guy and a guy and 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 basically a lot of other things. I had no idea he was also doing uh, within the organization. Uh, Luke, man, it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Before I let you run, as always, uh, did you guys finally finish the office? I mean, it, did you ever did you get to watch the boys yet? Or because of football mode, do you still have like eight eight shows that are on hold for you right now? No, okay. So I actually meant to text you about this last night. Uh, last night we we wrapped up uh, the last two episodes of the boys, so we we've actually. We've gotten through Barry and the boys. Okay, so, both of them. Whatever, whatever you want to go with. Oh man, um, I watched. You know, it's so much in the summer is when I had time to watch so much. All right, so um, if anyone's listening, you know, we might have a spoiler. So come back in three minutes. You don't have to go into detail, but what were your thoughts on the finale of Barry? Uh, first of all, that whole season was. Uh, for for a show about an, an assassin, um, the whole season was like unexpectedly dark. <laughs> Very different vibe than the than the than the fur. You know, the boys had kind of the look. It's serious. It's really dark. Oh, and now it's funny. And now, like they kind of go in and out of that tone in a lot of episodes. Barry was there were there weren't as many laughs this year. And even when you were laughing, no. you almost kind of felt like ew about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think you could tell he wrote that. He wrote that. Uh, that season or, or the, the writers did that season during the pandemic. Um, I really loved it though. Uh, and, uh, without getting too much into the, into how the, the finale happened, 
um, I, I loved it. Um, and I, I loved, <laughs> I loved that the, the whole season kind of like led up to that point, you know, where everybody's kind of just like out to get Barry. Um, and the one guy who finally does, does it in like uh, probably the least expecting way, you know, like he, 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 he laid the trap and Barry walked right into and, it. And I, I think and, we did too. I mean, I didn't see it coming. I, I did not see it coming. No. No, I just thought I thought Barry was going to like have to make this decision, like who he wants to be, and you know he's choosing the bad route again, and uh, and I, I did not expect to see uh, you know everybody it, there, yeah, it, including, it was... including including Henry Winkler, you know who's yeah. who's in on the whole the whole thing, like yeah, I, I love the whole thing, man. It was it was I think a really 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 smart season of TV, and I, I'm curious, like one of the things Chelsea and I were talking about was like. Where do they go from here? You right, know? right. The, the fact that um, it wasn't the end of Barry that they're gonna they're gonna move on from it and uh, not move on from it, move on with it and and have an idea though they're not saying it. Um, but I, I it it did kind of feel like it was it was time. Like if you if you didn't do it that way, it almost felt like okay, what are, you're just you're just kind of dragging this out now. At, at some point, there had to be, um, you know a call for for the for the for the terrible things you know what i mean i mean as we yeah. dance around it um if you're just tuning in you know we're talking Barry. Barry, uh spoiler alert come back in in uh in, in about 90 seconds but i um yeah i really enjoyed it you know and and we, we can get into the boys another time i liked it i mean it's 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 a show and it's just there's nothing like it but it wasn't my favorite season of the boys. I'll just, I don't, I, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, I liked it, but I think I might've liked some of the other seasons a little better, but I like how they're, they, they're very much in the moment of time and writing to it, uh, which, which I think is, you know, which I, which I enjoy. Um, it's not just, Hey, here's this crazy idea. And this is what superheroes would really be like, but they're, they're playing into the climate and the culture and all of that, of what's happening in the country and around the world. And, I'll always appreciate that about the show. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it, you could just have a, a show that's out there and different and, and just play off of that. But they actually, you know, they want to be a little bit smarter with it all. And I think that's what separates it and makes it, you know, one of the better shows on, what do we call it? Television? Smart tell? I don't know what we call it these days, but one of the best shows out there. Yeah, let's just call it a, a serial story. <laughs> I don't even know if it's like a, that counts as being on TV. Um, uh, but look, I, I, I really, I, I actually think I liked this season more than season two. Okay. Um, I just, I thought it was, uh, I thought it like held the pace a little bit better from start to finish. And I thought the season two, like really had to pick up steam at the end. I think part of it for um, me, Luke might've been like season two is the one season of the boys. I ended up watching episodically and not, like binging it. Like I watched the first three episodes because they all dropped at once, not knowing that it was going to be a week to week thing after that. So it, uh, I mean, we've talked about that when you binge watch something as opposed to watching it weekly, it also just impacts how you, I don't know, think about the show or view the show, you know, that, that might, that probably has something to do with it. Yeah, no, I mean like, you know, we might've talked about this when we were watching the office, but like, um, you know, Chelsea, my wife was, like when we finished watching the office, she was just like, you know, so many of these episodes must have just been just this huge, huge payoff for their fans who are watching this every week. Right. You know, where they waited, 
years <laughs> for Tim Panda to, you know, the kiss or whatever. Or they waited years for Dwight to get married, like 10 years for Dwight to get married. I'm sorry if I'm spoiling the office for people who, yeah, this show's been out for 20 years. But you know what I'm saying, though? It's like you, you wait this long time, you get the payoff, and it's just not it's not something we have anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, like I, I believe you. When, when you're actually watching something episodically, it totally changes the experience because we are so used to getting like everything at our fingertips right away. I mean, we burned through the boys in... Uh, probably about a week. Yeah. Um, Barry, probably. I mean, about Barry the same takes day. like three days, you know, or two, you yeah. know, it doesn't yeah. take long. But yeah. No, it's, a, it's, it's a fun three days, though. I'll tell you that, man. It's, <laughs> there's nothing quite like it. Um, all right. Luke has been our guest. Uh, if you're not following him, go do it at BY Luke Johnson by Luke Johnson. Oh, shoot. Last question. Uh, I saw something on social media. Was, was, was gritty? Was he at the Falcons game? Is he a Falcons fan? The guy, the the, the New Orleans native who created the gritty is that is that right? Uh, I don't know if he's. A, I don't think he's a Falcons okay. fan. That might be. I might be wrong. No, no. He. I have no idea. I, I saw one tweet of someone being like, "Wait, he was at the game." It could have been anybody doing the gritty, but somebody was suggesting that he might have been at the game and like wearing Falcons gear. I'm like, oh, that's. That would not be smart on his part, but I don't I don't know if that's true because I haven't seen it anywhere else. So I'm guessing I probably just got got. That's probably what happened. I'll, I'll have to investigate. Um, he, follow, he follows me on Twitter, so maybe I'll DM him and yeah. I'll get back to you. Yeah, he, fo- well, yeah, he follows us, our, our station as well, but well, I don't want to be like, yo, that, maybe, maybe I'll just hit him up. Like, were you at the Falcons game? And then just, that's what I'll, that's what I'll do. I'll do, a little, I'll do a little back research here. That's yeah, a little, do, do some investigative journalism, Scott. I'll do my best. <laughs> Luke Johnson has been our guest. Always appreciate it, man. It's always fun. And uh, let's let's do it again next month, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, sounds good, Scott. Always good talking to you, man. We'll you talk it. to you soon. That is Luke Johnson. Go give him a follow on Twitter at BY Luke Johnson. 